invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel's an interesting character in Scripture. We see Samuel begins from the heart of a mother who prays. Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren and she had no children and could not conceive and she pled to the Lord, cried out to the Lord. She made a vow to the Lord and said, Lord, if you would open, if it be your will to open my womb and to give me a son, I will give him back to you. And sometimes, sometimes God always answers our prayers. Sometimes He gives us those things at which we ask. Sometimes we have to ask the question, are we prepared to make good on those promises that we make before the Lord? And God opened Hannah's womb and gave her a son. And it would have been real easy for Hannah at that moment and in that time to... Say, well, God, I I know I kind of sort of made that promise to you, but he needs his mother. A boy needs his mother. And so I'm going to watch him for you. But Hannah didn't do that. She, She raised him until he was weaned and took him to the priest, to the high priest, to Eli, and said, here's my son. God's gift. He belongs to the Lord. And every year, when Hannah and Elkanah and their family would go to the temple, she would bring a new tunic for Samuel, knowing he would have grown a little bit, a little bit larger, a little bit bigger, the next size up. But a life that was dedicated to God. And here as we get to this passage, we see these two main figures. Eli, the high priest, who administered his whole life. And he was the high priest because his his dad had been the high priest. And his grandfather before him and his great-grandfather before him. And and so on and, and so forth. Back for generations. And God brings this young child, this Samuel, to Eli. And it's interesting, Eli be- Samuel becomes the son that Eli never had. Eli's sons were, they were priests. They were pagan as all get out. And here this man has been given by God, this son, to raise to know nothing else but service to the Lord. It's like Samuel was the, the first intern and learned everything from Eli. Look with me down in verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. 
and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am. For you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he has told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning and we have read your word. And Lord, this morning we seek to hear from you. And we stand as Samuel stood before you and said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak to us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a beautiful passage, a tremendous passage of faith, a tremendous passage of the, the passing sort of the torch and God's grace and God's judgment and God's sovereign hand and uh, all of these things. It's a beautiful picture of how God speaks. And I believe that God still speaks today. 
We do not serve a God who is silent, a God who, as the deists and the Enlightenment will tell us, that a God who maybe created the world, but then he sort of left us, we're on our own. But we serve and worship a God who is alive and who is speaking today if we would hear. A few things from this passage this morning that stood out to me. The first one in the form of a question. How long has it been since you heard from God? If you look down in verse 1 and 2, it says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. A lot of times we look back and at the at the scriptures and say, well, if God just showed up today like He did then, like if He gave visions and and He was here in bodily form, like when when Christ was here and we could see the miracles, if if God just like spoke like He spoke to Moses, then man, I, it, it would be a lot. Things would be better, and man, I would have more faith and and be more victorious and all of those things. And we think, man, things were so much greater back then, but they're really no different than today. Here was even a time, even in the Old Testament, where God's Word tells us there were no frequent visions. That people weren't, as a general, as a general rule, hearing from God. They weren't hearing from God. It's not as if, it doesn't, it doesn't say God wasn't speaking But it was rare. It doesn't say that God wasn't speaking, but it does point out the fact that the people were not listening. This was the end of a time frame in which the mantra, the life mission, the purpose, was that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's like the Heavenly Father who's given us His Word and given us His life and He speaks and He's trying to tell us. He loves us. He's trying to tell us it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to live in in discouragement and in despair. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to live in bondage to sin. You do not have to live in brokenness. There is a better way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And He is speaking and speaking and calling and calling. And we are ignoring His voice. And how often does the Father speak and when the, when the message is ignored, the next time it may not be quite as forceful. The next time it may not be quite as loud. The next time it... When will be the next time? When was the last time that you heard the voice of God. Amos 8.11 So, fast forward several hundred years, God speaks through the prophet. Amos was one of the, the last prophets of the Old Testament. And God speaks through Amos and He says in Amos 8.11 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. And a, a famine in ancient times, that's, that's a death sentence. It would wipe you out economically and eventually physically if however long the, the famine lasted. People would die. People would, people would lose 
their land, lose their family, lose their livestock. But he says, There's a time, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water. You almost see that and you would think in the time of Amos, like, okay, well, what are we going to have a famine from? Because, I mean, we got bread and water, we're good. Not a famine of bread, not a famine of thirst, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And there was a period of 400 years where between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament that God was silent. There were no, God did not raise up any prophets, any men of God. There was a remnant, there was a remnant of believers who were following faithfully, following, leading, leading their families to follow the Lord and waiting for the Messiah and all of those things. But God had been silent. The world was in darkness. And it's as if God is telling us, you want to live by your own way and follow your own plan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go try that. See how that works out for you. How long has it been since you heard from God? This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. That the people did not hear from God. And we live in a, we live in a time, we live, we live in a place where it is still free to preach the Word of God. We are still free to do that. Amen. Right? We can still do that. The clouds are on the horizon, but we still live in a land that we are free to do that. We live in a place and in a time in which each one of us has access to God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. Take it home. The deacons will not fire me for this. Take it home. It's okay. We live, in a, we live in a time where if you're smart enough to, have a, to do, use a smartphone, sometimes like the phone is smarter than you, we have access to, to Bible apps where we can download umpteen different English translations as well as 200 translations of the Bible in different languages around the world. We have more access to God's Word now than probably at any other time in human history. And yet are we hearing from the Lord? Because even in the midst of being inundated by the airwaves and the internet and by print and all this access and all this freedom, even by having it right in front of us, we can still be just like Eli, the high priest who ministered in the temple. And yet his own, it talks about his physical eyes were failing and he couldn't see, but I think it's also an indictment of his spiritual eyes. Had grown dim. And his spiritual ears had grown clogged so that he couldn't hear the voice of God. How long has it been? Number two, another question. 
Do you recognize God's voice when He speaks? Can you recognize God's voice when He speaks? Now, it's really neat to see. God speaks in this, in this passage, God spoke in the middle of the night. And we have, you know, we have two main characters um, apart from God. He's the main character in every story. But Samuel the boy and Eli the old high priest. Where does it say Eli was sleeping? He was in the uh, parsonage. In the high priestorium. He was in his own place. He was in his bed. He had the sleep number bed and he set his on a 55. I mean, he had his spot. He was set. Where was Samuel? Where was Samuel sleeping? It says he was, yeah, he was sleeping in the temple. The boy was closer to the presence of God than the high priest. And Samuel's sleeping there, and he hears his name, Samuel. Now you think about that when you, I mean, when, when you're a kid, and some of you have to think back a little bit further, but it's imprinted in every child's mind. When your mother or father calls your name, it did not matter if there were like 12 kids and you all had the same name, like 12 Bobbies. You know the voice of your parent. And it didn't matter if there were hundreds of kids and you were a mile away. When I was a kid, I, I think about the times like, my parents let me, we roamed what seemed like miles from the house in the summertime, barefooted, through the woods, running through things. And it did not matter how far me and Matt and Eric roamed through the woods and behind our houses. When Debbie Fletcher opened the back door, and hollered, Jason, I could hear it. That would carry for miles. And it did not matter where I was at. I was expected to, to do what? To hear that voice. And I was in trouble if I had gone so far as to be out of that range. And I was expected to obey that voice. I think back now those times and think, I mean, we live in a time like you can't hardly take your eyes off your children. But a child knows the voice of its mother and its father. And here Samuel is laying right in the, right before the presence of the Lord. Just beyond him is the veil and the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God dwelt. And he hears his name, Samuel. It wakes him up in the middle of the night. Now, when things wake us up in the middle of the night, what does it usually mean? Is it usually a good thing? It's typically a bad thing. Our heart's pacing. We're thinking, like, what? what's going on? You know, am I getting the call? It, you know, do I need to run out the door? Samuel wakes up. He hears his name, and what's his first instinct? 
It's his first instinct that God is speaking to him. No, what's his first instinct? It's Eli calling from his room. So Eli, I mean, Samuel, what does he do? He jumps up and his feet patter down outside and over into the parsonage. And I know your kids never did this to you or don't do this to you. He stood right next to Eli's face. <laughs> y'all are laughing. That happens to y'all too? said, here I am. And you got to think, Eli's on about his third dream by this point. He's sleeping. Woken up in the middle of the night. Samuel tells him, I'm here. You, you called me. What's going through Eli's mind? I can't believe you woke me up. I mean, Eli's sitting there going, I may know, I may may can't remember what I was just dreaming about, and I'm going to try to get back to that dream, but I know I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back a second time third time and finally by the third time you know by the third time Eli's probably going well I might as well get up now but by the third time Eli recognizes this wasn't my voice this boy's not crazy he's hearing the voice of God Why did, why did it take Eli three times to figure it out? It took the high priest, the spiritual leader of the people of Israel, three times to figure it out because it had been so long since he had heard the voice of God. It had been so long since he had had a, a real encounter with the living God. It had been so long because he had found himself just going through the motions. Getting up, putting on his high priestly garb, doing the sacrifices that he was supposed to do, making sure everything was in order. Day in and day out. And doing good things. He probably helped the poor. He probably... I mean, he probably had some pretty good sermons in there. But he struggled here to discern the voice of God because it had been so long. So the question is, do you recognize God's voice when he speaks? Next thing from this passage, are you prepared to hear God speak? Are you prepared to hear God speak? Jesus tells us in his word, he says in John 10, 27, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, to know the voice of God, you've got to be in the word of God. 
It takes us all the way back to the beginning. We live in a day and a time and an age in which we, we have more access to God's Word. I told the guys in my class this morning, I mean, even like in your car, you can tune into on the, on the FM band, K-Love, Positive Encouraging, more music, K-Love, Encouraging Christian Music and Testimonies all day long. And in fact, K-Love's so big, you can drive from here to New York and pretty much when you're going out of one K-Love station, you can go to the next one. And to the, you could listen really to the same radio station all the way from FM all the way, all the way to New York City, pretty much. We're inundated. And yet, are we really hearing from the Lord? Because are we, are we really spending time with Him and in His Word? Because God has spoken. God has spoken through the prophets. God came in Christ in the flesh and lived among us. Revealed, him, revealed the, the, the fullness of the Godhead. It died for us. Left for us the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior... It's not just like, okay, you're joining a new club. God's Spirit resides in you to empower you, to fill you, to open God's Word to you. Can you nod your head? There's some times when there's places and chapters that we read in here that it's hard to understand. Amen? Amen. These things, a spiritual book, must be spiritually discerned. And Christ, before He left, He told the disciples, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm doing all these things. If I leave, I'm going to send the Comforter to you, the Spirit to you, who is going to guide you into all truth. He's going to bring to your mind the words that I have said, and make these words come alive. Because these words aren't just any words. The words of Christ, the words of God, are not just the words of Gandhi or the words of uh, Buddha or, or some other great you know, leader or a good guru or a guide, but God Himself spoke these words and have given them to us. Are you prepared? Samuel, Eli tells Samuel to go back after the third time. He tells him, go, go back to where you heard God's voice. So I, wanna, I want you to think, what was the very first question? When was the last time you heard God's voice? Part of preparing to hear God speak was, what was it about that time in your life that enabled you to hear God speak? It's not about the location. I was standing at the 7-Eleven and I heard God speak. So I'm going to go back to the 7-Eleven. I'm going to stand here and wait for God to speak. No, it's where was your heart at when you last heard God speak? And Eli told Samuel, you need to go back to that place where you last heard God speak and wait. And being prepared to hear from God means... Lord, 
man, I, I may have strayed or I may have found myself, man, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in sin or I'm caught in brokenness or I'm, man, I, I'm just, I'm lost right now. <laughs> I'm just sort of in a fog. When was the last time you heard him speak and what would it take to get you back to that place to where you can hear from him? And so Eli sends Samuel back into the temple and Samuel lays back down. Eli tells Samuel, the next time when God speaks again and calls your name, you're to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You know, there's very few places... uh, Really, in Scripture, we're supposed to command things to God. This really wasn't a command. This was a, this was a humble request. Samuel placing himself in that position to say, Lord, if you've called my name and I believe it is you, I'm ready to hear from you. And I'm your servant. What is the posture of a servant? Does the servant dictate to to the master? The master dictates to the servant. Samuel, standing before the Lord and saying, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. He's saying, I'm ready. In my heart, I place myself under submission to you. And I'm ready to hear from you. And that means, for Samuel, that means that he is going to tune out Every other voice and solely listen to the voice of God. When I was a kid, I go back to my childhood all the time. I have fond memories as a child. I was an athlete at five. I mean, I, was, I mean, I know it's hard to, like, visualize that now. I was, I mean, I was, well, I was an athlete. And I remember being on the ball field, Little League, and it was my turn to stand at the plate. And as um, I was channeling my inner Don Mattingly, at the plate, my coach was going as slow and underhanded as he possibly could to get the ball right in the sweet spot to where I could hit a home run. In my mind, I could hit a home run. Um, A home run for me was like getting past the second baseman, like to the end of the gravel infield. That was a home run. It might as well have been a home run for me. But in that moment, all the, all the parents are there. All your friends are there. And everybody's cheering. And everybody's telling you what to do. Be a hitter. Keep your eye on the ball. For me, it was like, don't close your eyes when the ball gets close, you know. <laughs> Keep your eyes open. (laughs) Don't crowd the plate. Swing through. Everybody's yelling and telling you what to do. Who's the only voice that matters when that player's on the field? The voice of his coach. 
It doesn't matter what his best friend is telling him what to do. It doesn't matter what his dad, who's going to whoop him when he gets home, is telling him to do in that moment. Who's the only voice that matters? It's his coach. And in that moment, that player's got to take that batter. He's got to tune all the noise out. He's got to tune out the expectations of every other person that's trying to tell him what to do at that moment and listen to his coach. And guys, that, man, there, there, is so, there are so many voices clamoring for us and telling us what to do. There's so many people that have expectations for us and expectations for our lives. Who's the only voice that matters? God. His is the only one that matters. We've got to put ourselves in that position to where we can hear from Him. He's given us His Word, and this is an amazing Word. I'll tell you, this is an amazing Word. These words that were written, some of these words thousands of years ago, are just as alive and relevant today. And I'll tell you, I just want to challenge you. Everyone has a different way. There's no like one way God doesn't say, you need to read... Hebrew or Greek, or you need to read 15 chapters a day. There's no like way to do this. You need to spend time in God's Word every day. Some people use a devotional to help them or guide them, but I, I want to I challenge you. As you do that, the first day it may be really hard grading against you, especially if it's been a while. But that second or third day, God is going to take the reading that you're doing that particular day and He's going to speak right into your particular circumstance and it's going to blow your mind. You're going to stand back and you're going to go, whoa, this this God is real and He's really speaking. If, If you'll just place yourself in that position and prepare yourself to hear from Him, He will speak to you and He will confirm His Word to you. And the last thing, number four, the last question, are you ready to follow the Lord's command? God doesn't just speak things to us just so we would be personally edified and that we would grow in knowledge and wisdom and get smarter and and become, you know, more mature in our faith and more, more faithful believers. God speaks to us. And God's, excuse me, God's speech demands an action. It demands a response. Because God's, God's word is not just inspirational, though it is inspired. God's Word is the truth. Christ, the incarnate Word, is the way, the truth, and the life. And He calls us 
as we prepare ourselves and as we hear from him as the King of kings and Lord of lords to submit and surrender ourselves to his word, which always leads to a course correction, a course change in our life. To where we are, he is calling us and asking us to lay everything out on the table and to follow him and him alone. And here God speaks to Samuel. And God's message to Samuel was not an inspirational kind of message, was it? It wasn't like a attaboy, you're doing great. I'm so proud of you for serving in the temple and you're. May I call on your life and I'm going to use you? What was the message that Samuel receives? This is like firestone, brimstone, judgment kind of a message for his adopted dad, for Eli, for the high priest. And it it was even so, you know, a lot of times when God, uh, in the Old Testament, when God would pronounce judgment and he would say, okay, you know, I'm going to send the Babylonians or I'm going to send the Assyrians or I'm going to send these people to come in and there's going to be famines or wars and all these things. A lot of times when God gave those prophecies, it was built in that the point of that prophetic judgment was to lead the people to repentance. If, you would, if my people who are called by my name would turn from their sin and, and turn to me, I will hear their land. You know, we, we've, we've read that, we've known that. Part of that, part of that, the prophecy of judgment was, okay, if you don't repent and turn back to me, this is what's going to happen. This, Samuel didn't even receive one of those kind of judgments. Tell Eli he better get his sons into shape because I'm about to bring judgment. No, Samuel receives the message, tell Eli I'm bringing judgment on his house. His house is going to end. And that was... Like the high priest was passed down from father to son to son to son. It was, it was genetic. I'm ending the line of Eli. And there is no offering or sacrifice that you can do to change this. Whoa. Samuel received the judgment that this had been pronounced by the sovereign will of God and there was nothing changing this plan. And if you read, you know, if you want to go home and read, God fulfills every word of this judgment. So Samuel has a, has a choice. Have you ever had to tell bad news to your boss? Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever had to tell your boss you're about to be fired and you're taking over? No one? That's basically what Samuel was being asked to do. What did it cause in Samuel's life in that moment? Because it says in there, you notice, and Samuel went, back to, he, he received the Lord, or the word of the Lord, and then it says, you know, he, he went back to bed, and the next day they opened up the temple. Samuel was afraid. I guarantee you and I, we would be afraid if Mark had to come and tell me the bad news. Like if he had to be the one. Like, 
Because that's who it would be. It would, like, it would be Mark that would get sent in to tell me the bad news. He would be, I could tell on his face. I could just read it on his face. Last thing you want to do. Samuel's afraid. He's like, I, I don't want to do this. I love Eli. I mean, I love Eli, and I, I, don't, I don't want to bring this message. Eli encourages him. Even, even Eli, it's like, by this point, even Eli knows the words that are about to come. He, he, knew, he knew the message. God had already given him that word before to say, you need to get your sons in order. And Eli didn't do anything about it. So it's like he knew and encouraged Samuel. And Samuel fulfilled what the Lord had told him to do. And he proclaimed the word that God had given him. No matter what the cost could have been. The cost could have been, you know, he had been been with Eli long enough to know there were certain things that caused Eli to throw things. There were certain things that caused Eli to get mad or get upset, and, and, and he didn't, he, he, you know, it's like Samuel's like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't even want it. Can someone else do this? But when God calls us and God speaks to us, and he, and he does reveal himself through his word, and, and you know, I, I preach this God reveals himself through his word, he reveals himself through prayer, he reveals himself through godly counsel. Sometimes God is going to speak through other people to tell you his words, and just like God used Samuel to speak his words. And if we're listening, we can, we can hear that, and, and we filter all that through. God's not going to contradict himself from his word. But when God speaks to us, then we must have the faith to step out and to follow him based on his word. And God is calling. And God is speaking. And I believe today that God has spoken. God spoke some things in our Sunday school time on the last hour. Are we listening? And are we, are we willing and ready to follow through with him? Are you ready? Are you ready to take that next step that he's calling you to do? Are you willing to put away the sin that he's calling you to put away? Are you willing to take the next step in your faith and to step up and follow him? Are you, are you willing and ready to do whatever it takes to lead your family to follow Christ? Are you ready? It's really quiet in here, Mark. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's stand together. If you're ready right now to respond to the Lord, I want to invite you to stand right where you're at. Let's hear from the Lord. Let's seek Him. He says, seek me while I may be found. And follow Him. Pastor Mark's going to come, and we're going to have a time of invitation. It's a time of response. A time. I want to just encourage you, if you're serious about following the Lord, if you're serious about taking a stand for Him and saying, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to stand for Him. I, I just want, in your heart, you can do it where you're sitting. If you want to come forward and just make a public stance, if there's some, I can pray with you, or some people can come and pray with you. This is the time where we can just make things solid before 
the Lord. Pastor Mark, would you come and, and lead us? Dear Lord.